0: This is the Two Tone Uncensored Podcast.
1: Hosts Matt McCrone, Ryan Moreland, and Glenn Lotzenheiser talk everything Tennessee Titans. This show is made for the fancy bleed Two Tone Blue. This is Kevin Dyson, former Tennessee Titan, and you're listening to Two-Tone Uncensored.
0: Welcome to Two-Tone Uncensored. I'm your host, Ryan Moreland. With me tonight, the godfather himself, Matt Nacrone. How you doing, Matt?
2: I'm good, man. What's going on?
0: Not much. Ready to, for the show. Excited tonight. Glenn is not going to be joining us tonight. He's on vacation in Houston, enjoying himself, so he won't be on the night. But we do have a very special guest host with us tonight, Chris Newell from... The Titans in Truth YouTube channel. Very excited to have you on today, Chris. How are you doing?
1: I am doing great. Uh, Glad to be here and joining you guys on this show. I'm excited.
0: We're excited to have you, man.
2: Yeah, man. Glad to have you.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you. And I'm just, you know, other Titans ready to get into it. All
0: right. For any of those uh, who haven't seen it or or are unaware of it, check it out, Titans in Truth uh, on YouTube, it's a pretty cool channel. And Chris is on there all the time putting up new videos, talking about the team, and a very knowledgeable guy. That's why you know we have him on the show tonight, is because he's obviously a guy that knows what he's talking about. Before we jump right into the mailbag, everybody, just want to mention, uh, just like last year, we are going to be having a contest uh, to give away free tickets to a Titans home game. This year we're going to be doing it a little bit differently than last year. Last year we had the scavenger hunt. This year we're going to be doing a trivia contest. Uh, it's going to be 10 seconds per answer, and you have to have a Skype because we're going to video in. That way we can make sure nobody's cheating. You know, Everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, not looking up answers. We just want it to be based on your personal knowledge of the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Oilers uh, and you know, the entire team history. So the way it's going to work is you're going to video chat in, uh, cheating will automatically disqualify you, obviously. Ten seconds per answer. We're going to do the first 20 to email in after we say. It's not after this show, but a show in the future. The first 20 emails that we get are they going to be the participants. Everybody else is going to be left out. You know That way we don't have to go through 415 uh, video chats. We can just do 20. But we'll let you know on an upcoming show when that is so you can listen to the show as soon as, as, soon as it comes out. Get your email into us, uh, and it's going to be a simple question, a really easy Titans question. First twenty to email are the first, are going to be the twenty participants that go and win these tickets. And if I'm not mistaken, Matt, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong. These tickets are for the Ravens game, correct?
2: Yeah, Week Nine, uh, Baltimore Ravens, right after the bye week.
0: Yeah, so if you do win them, you have plenty of time, you know, to, to get you know travel and all that stuff figured out. But really cool, free tickets. Uh, you know really excited to do it this way so everybody keep be on the lookout for that keep your ears to the ground so you can be the first 20 to email us uh, when we put out the the question it'll probably be a couple weeks from now so you can have a chance to win these tickets they're always end up being great tickets and shout out to brandon williams uh, who ended up getting us the tickets just like he did last year huge friend of the show and a great guy So let's jump into the mailbag here, guys. First question's from Will Rush. Is the injury to Castle the open door that Tanny needs to get a grip on the number two spot, and do you believe that he has the skills to take over that number two spot?
2: I think it's a good opportunity for Tanny, but no, I I don't see him leapfrogging Castle. Castle's a veteran, and I think he's pretty much got that spot locked. If, uh, If Tanny comes in and just Blows the coaches away. I mean, it is possible he could take that position, but it's Castles, and until something crazy happens, I don't think Castles losing it.
1: I would. I actually would venture to say that I think with with the Castle injury, that definitely does open the door for him. Like you said, Matt, uh, gives him more of an opportunity. Now, I have I have noticed that with the coaching staff, they've actually been impressed with some things that Alex Tanny has done. So. He may not be able to take that job right away, maybe somewhere mid-through the season if possible. Alex Tanney does have an opportunity. I think he might be able to stick, at least for right now, as them carrying three quarterbacks on the main roster. He could leapfrog them later, maybe not right away, but Alex Tanny looks like he could have the tools to maybe in the future overtake them and might just be not yet.
0: Yeah, obviously this gives him a great opportunity to go in and and really have a chance. He's getting all of the the reps, you know, obviously with Marcus still nursing an injury and they're bringing him back slowly. This gives Tanny all of the reps, not just the second team reps, where he's getting a lot of work in with this team. I don't, however, think that that's enough to pass Matt Castle this season. He would have to play really good. And I know Matt Castle isn't, you know, anything to, to write home about, but he is a veteran in this league that has had a lot of, of playing time. Tanny's a guy that's being seen very little playing time throughout his entire career. But what I think this is more uh, of, instead of him trying to take the number two spot this year, is is Tanny a viable backup for the future? Because I think this is Matt Castle's last year in Tennessee. I don't think we'll t- uh, pick him up after this season. So it becomes, do we draft a quarterback next year to back up? Mariota, or sign somebody to back up Mariota, or is Taney going to be our guy of the future? Now, if he plays really well here, you know, when we do get rid of Matt Castle it might make John Robinson and and Mike Malarkey think. You know, we got to keep this guy around. He, uh, look what he did last year. You know, in in training camp, in mini camps, he's a viable backup. He's a viable option for a backup. Uh, or are they going to go somewhere else and try to get uh, a better backup? That's what I think tanny's doing right here is he's not as much playing for this season but as future seasons with the team will he be around after matt castle leaves the way he's playing so far you know i've heard nothing but good things about the way tanny's played so far so you know i obviously wish him the best he's a guy that i think has been a fan favorite since he's been in tennessee
2: all of his opportunities probably in front of him right now like you just said but i really do think I think he is playing for right now. I think he needs to make the 53-man the roster above anything else, whether it's third string or not. Um, he's used to being on this practice squad, and he's been all over the league. He's been on four or five different teams. But I do think even if he gets a roster spot this season, I, I could definitely see the Titans still going ahead and drafting a backup quarterback later on, later rounds in the draft, someone that kind of emulates Marcus, not really like a – somebody with a different pro style than, than, say, Tanny.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that, too, because, I mean, right now, Alex Tanny is at worst going to be the number three quarterback. Now, I would say for next year, I think he definitely will be the number two option. It really would depend on how this quarterback class uh, looks going into it. And word has has by a lot of experts that the – Quarterback class will look pretty nice at the top. In the later rounds, we don't know yet. We'll have to see how some of these quarterbacks perform. But I think Alex Tanney definitely will have a great opportunity. He will already know the system going into that next year. But looking at right now, I would venture to guess, and this is just a little bit of a bold prediction, I'll say halfway through next season he could be number two at least halfway through the season.
0: All right, bold words there. We'll see if it happens. Um, moving on to the next question, Antron Russell, and he asks: Is there an off-the-radar guy on the team, a smaller-name guy on the team, that you think has the potential to bust into this fifty-three-man roster?
2: Uh, for me, it's it's hard to say. I don't know. You know, to me, no name is really a no name right now because we've we've dug up this roster so deep that. Um, well, actually, I guess I do have one. I was thinking in the cornerback selection, and now that you say that, um, Demontre Hurst is a cornerback that I'm looking to not only make the team, but actually contribute this season in the secondary. He came from Chicago. Uh, my brother is the big Bears fan. He didn't do much there, but he, my brother did tell me that he, the kid's got a lot of potential. He's already made some plays at practice that I've read up on, and I, I've heard nothing but good things about him. So, I'm looking forward to seeing DeMontre Hurst.
1: I like that. And what I think I'm going to do, I would stick on the defensive side as well. And I think a guy that he may not be really much of a no-name, but I think a guy that could stick on the 53-man roster going forward, I would have to say it's Antoine Woods from USC. I think he's a guy he showed a little bit uh, during the regular season. He only played in a couple of games. And he really showed a little bit, could really be – a big-time help on the defensive line, maybe play anywhere, especially at Nose, to help out with Austin Johnson and maybe even with uh, Sly Williams coming back from injury. So I'm not saying so much that he's a no-name as far as making the roster, but I think he's a guy that not only can make the roster but will stick and play uh, some action in a more meaningful game. So that would be who I would think.
0: That's a good pick. I like that. Yeah, both of the guys that you mentioned are guys that I had on my list. But I would go on the offensive side of the ball just to give, to give a little bit of a different view. And I'm going with Jonathan Krause, the wide receiver. We talked about him a little bit last week, and I talked about how I thought he was my my guy to watch in this wide receiver shakeup because he might put pressure on the guys ahead of him. He is a talented football player, ran a 4 3 coming out of college. You know, he saw a little bit of playing time, barely any, but a little bit of playing time with Philadelphia. I think he's a guy that could push, you know, some people off of the bottom of this wide receiver pool. I know we don't have the most talented receivers in the world, and it really is kind of front stacked on this wide receiver list. So he's a guy that could push up, you know, push Harry Douglas and the like, you know, Trey McBride, those kind of guys out of the way, you know, Eric Weems and put pressure on them, probably push them out, and, and possibly get himself a spot on that 53-man roster. Now, we'll see if it happens or not, but he is a guy that's got a lot of speed, and that's something that we're kind of lacking at the wide receiver position. So I think he's a guy that could possibly end up making the roster when it's all said and done.
1: I definitely like that. And uh, and another guy to keep your uh, eyes on, uh, just one more quick name on the offensive line, uh, maybe uh, Jose uh, Matias uh, as well, who's been on the practice squad, force of time he could be a guy that maybe could challenge and maybe see if he could get a spot behind Quinn Spain and Klein and Tritola as well so I just think that might be just uh, one extra name to keep an eye on
2: my question to you Chris because I hear Ryan and Glenn's opinion week in week out I want to know what do you think about Logan Ryan possibly playing the outside do you think that's something we could do or is that something we have to do I think it is I think it's imperative, and I think it's very
1: necessary for him to play on the outside. I mean, let's go back to the Super Bowl game, let's go back to the Super Bowl game, him and Mark, Malcolm Butler, you know, in their comeback, you know Logan Ryan actually did a pretty decent job on Julio Jones, and you know did some things uh, against him in that Super Bowl, kind of you know snatching the ball away a little bit. and that was the problem that a lot of the corners had uh, last year. I think that was a common thing with a lot of corners. It's like they kept playing the man. I don't think any of our corners knew how to to turn and look for the football, which was a major problem. And that's (laughs) something that Logan Ryan does do well. You know, he'll actually at least play the ball instead of play the man. And him and Adore do something that all the other corners did not do. So, I mean, either or outside or inside, I think will be great. That's why I think they went and got him. And paying them $10 million a year – he has to play on the outside, in my honest opinion.
2: Yeah, you're not wrong, man. I honestly think whatever we put in front of him, whether he – he may struggle a little bit at first, but from what I've seen from him, he's he's a solid tackler. We all know that. I, I really think, oh, you know, yeah, if we can get him to play outside and play it well, then then that's a bonus. Because, like I said, most of our guys are fitted for the nickel position, which – you can only have so many. You don't need all nickel guys. We need, we need guys on the outside. So wherever we can fit him, I'm sure we're going to move him around. This is a Dick LeBeau defense. I'm sure we're going to have different packages, different places. But uh, I do think we'll see him on the outside as well.
1: And, and if I can uh, you know, attest, when I was looking at the draft, and I was actually at the draft, and I'm just – as I'm hearing picks, I'm just saying to myself, if Sidney Jones had made it to the third round, if we could have scooped him up in the third round, that would have made me extremely happy. Even though he was hurt at the time, a guy like him would have been perfect on the outside on this defense. I was just, I was just messed up we couldn't get him. I thought that he would for sure be a type of guy that could come in here. But we got to go with what we got.
0: Really?
2: I'm with you on that. Even if he was out the entire year, I'd still say it would be worth it for a third rounder.
0: Right, because you're—I mean, it's the same, like same kind of thing that you're seeing the year before with guys like
2: Miles Jack. And, yeah, Miles uh, Jack. Different, yeah, different uh, Cowboys.
0: Right, but going back to the the Logan Ryan, you have we have to play him on the outside. We don't have another choice. We have to play him on the outside, you know, because we have you know McCain's—he's not terrible. He's not good, but he's not terrible. And then you have a you know a young guy that's pretty raw. And then you have Sims, who's a young guy that's pretty raw. I think Sims has the potential to be, outside of Logan Ryan, the best corner out of everybody that we have. I really do, because of the way he sticks with people. If he gets his head moving around, you know, Glenn's not on the show with us, but Glenn always says it seems like like he can't move his neck. Like he had some kind of injury where his neck only points forward. But if he learns to just get his head around and just timing that... I think Sims can be dangerous in this league. He's so good at sticking with the guy. He, I mean, he's. you watch the, the plays that he does give up. He's right there. He's there on every play. If he just gets his head around instead of just throwing his hands up blindly, you know, get your head around and put your hand in the spot that it needs to be, that leads to, you know, incompletions and interceptions. I think that he has some real talent. It just needs to be groomed. And obviously we have Dick LeBeau to do that. I think Sims... In McCain are going to see a lot of action this year. And we'll, we'll move it around and stuff. But, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I'm a little nervous. But I feel like, you know, come week four, I, I'm not going to be nearly as nervous. Because I think you're going to see Sims take a big step forward this year. I think you're going to see, you know, McCain play decent. You know, McCain, you look at all those games. McCain played okay. But nobody else on the team around him is playing good. Especially when McCourty went down. I mean McCain was playing okay, but everybody else is playing like garbage. So it's hard to play great when you're surrounded by you know crappy players. I mean everyone knows that. I think that you know getting Logan Ryan on the other side, you see Sims up and coming. I think that'll make McCain even look that much better. But I still think he's you know he's a good not great guy. That's what you're going to get from him is good not great. You know, but that's that's all I have for the mailbag this week. As always, you can find the mailbag. On our Facebook page at Two-Tone Podcast on Facebook or on the Tennessee Titans Uncensored uh, Facebook fan page. We always share it in there as well. Comment on either one if you want to hear your questions answered next week. Let's move on to the news here, guys. Not a whole lot of news, but some interesting things here. Kendall Wright was pretty upset with the Titans and the way he was used last season and had a lot to say about it this week. What did you guys think about the comments he made? Yeah.
2: For those of you that don't know, he basically just said that, you know, he he felt like he was probably the number one receiver last year on the team. Uh, and he was only used for about 10 plays a game. Honestly, I don't think he was used for 10 plays a game. It baffled me at first. You know, the one thing I think about was Kendall Wright. When I think of last season, all I can remember, the one play he made was that stretch out. That was an amazing stretch out he made for the touchdown. He actually I think it was against Cleveland. He took his whole 5'10", whatever he is, 5'9", 5'10", frame, stretched out completely, fell about at the two-yard line, basically got the wind knocked out of him, but still got up to make that touchdown. That's how I remember him last season. That's the only thing I remember from last season. So the guy still has talent, but to say he's the number one guy, not the case. He He's had a lot of, uh, I don't know what it is, personality issues I, I all i remember going back to the draft when we took mariota uh it was kendall Wright and i can't remember who else basically like in shock that we went we went ahead and took mariota when we had zach mettenberger as a starter which blows my mind but um he's basically just salty i i don't think he's gonna do much in chicago they don't have a quarterback there to get him the ball anyway but there is a lot of opportunity for him if, if he is going to do something. At the same time, this is the guy that falls down after every route, gets hurt constantly. So he's bitter. Um, you know, that's pretty much all this whole thing is—is is him being bitter at the Titans. But if he can do well in Chicago, good for him. But I, I
0: don't see it happening. So you're saying that you think well, Marcus is better than Mettenberger? <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know where to come now, to find the hot takes, right here, guys. <laughs> Kendall Wright didn't and think I, I, so, w- apparently. <laughs> and I want to
1: add. A, I want to add this because what I'm gonna what I'm gonna do, Ryan, is I'm gonna answer a question with a question on this with Kendall Wright. Who cares? Who cares what Kendall Wright has got to say with him being so bitter, talking about I'm the number one receiver. I mean, dude, you were not even involved in all of but two games this season. The game against Cleveland where you just seemed to have the game of your life and you had one night play against the Jaguars, the long touchdown pass from Marcus. Other than that, where the heck were you? I mean, you were nowhere to be found in any other game. You could not stay healthy with the hamstring injury that kept bothering you. You didn't want to play through it. You kept saying, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. The team was way too patient with him. So the fact of the matter is that he's gone to the Bears, good riddance. I mean, we have a better, we have a better version of him in Taiwan Taylor. At least he can stay up on his route that we've seen from, from what I've seen from his footage of Western Kentucky. So as far as Kendall Wright is concerned, who cares what he has to say? That question.
2: Great point, man, and and not to mention that Taywan Taylor did take his number, so poetic justice right there.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: You know this this comment I broke down into two parts. Uh, first, we didn't use him enough, and then second, he was the number one receiver. The first part, he was. I think he was right. I mean, we talked about it last season during the season. I didn't think they were using Kendall enough. And, you know, I don't know why that is, though. And, and I, you know, Matt said uh, you know, off-the-field issues. We knew that he was kind of having some attitude adjustment issues and stuff like that during the season last year. So it could have been his own fault he wasn't being used enough. Uh, but I, I agree. We said it at different points last year. I know Glenn also said it, that I don't think we're using him enough. I don't think we're utilizing him enough. Well, he's not seen enough time on the field. But then you get the point two. He was the best receiver on the field. You know, he finished third in receiving yardage behind Tajay Sharp and, of course, Rashad Matthews. And that's just wide receivers, not including tight ends and running backs. Um, Then you also look at it. Now, you can say, all right, he wasn't getting his touches, though. Uh, Rashad Matthews had a lot more catches, obviously, and still had a better average per catch than uh, Kendall Wright had, even with Kendall Wright's big plays. You know, Rashad Matthews still had a better average, scored – Nine touchdowns last year, you know I'm not I I don't have the stats in front of me. I should have looked it up, but I don't know what the most touchdowns of the season Kendall Wright's ever scored. But that's probably pretty damn near it or above it. You you weren't the best wide receiver last year. Like it shows. Like you know Rashad Matthews was the best receiver we've had in a couple seasons at least. And, And you know the way he looked last year, the big plays he came up for us, the consistency. We've never seen that kind of consistency out of Kendall Wright, ever. Kendall Wright's had some really great games. He's had some great plays. You know, as Matt was mentioning, that game against um, the Browns, I don't think, yeah, I don't think anybody's going to forget that catch. It was fantastic. But he's never consistent. Yep. He disappears in the next game. And then he comes back, and he's great, and then he disappears. Yep. Rashad Matthews was consistently good. And not only that, but he got better as the season went on. And you, obviously, Absolutely. you weren't the best receiver last year. Obviously. You know, I mean, he can say what he wants, but stats don't lie. You know, even with more production, it's harder to keep a better average. And, he's, and you know, Matthews still had a better average yards per catch. I believe it's 14.5 for Matthews, uh, for anyone wondering, and 14 flat, you know, for Kendall Wright. So, uh, you know, with more production, it's harder to keep a better average. And Matthews had far more production and still had the better average. I mean, have fun. Like, like Matt said, they're in a quarterback up there in Chicago. Have fun while you're up there.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, one, he, he, he only got a one year deal, I believe. So, I mean, I don't, he's going to fizzle out of the league. I'm pretty sure the guy was a mid to late first round pick. I can't remember where uh, exactly we took him probably in the 17, 18 range, but he never, he never lived up to those expectations Chris brought up the Jacksonville game. And the one thing I did want to point out credit to him, because it, like I said, it is the last time I'm probably going to speak his name. My favorite Kendall, Wright Moment. Probably other than that Cleveland catch was the fact when Marcus broke off that 87 yard run against Jacksonville, when Kendall was able to keep up with him and threw that last yeah. block at the end, that's how I remember yeah. That's, yeah. that's One of the best that he did as a Titan. And, and I mean, and that's, speaking from a first-round draft pick receiver, talking about throwing a block. So, I mean, that just shows yep. you what he did.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, and that's absolutely true. I, I had forgotten all about that part, you know, with him throwing the block. And not to mention, other than that, I don't even remember him doing anything in that particular game. That was DGB who was getting a lot of the action in yeah. that game. And we, we see where what happened with DGB going forward. All right. Just to
0: clarify what we were talking about earlier, Kendall Wright was the 20th pick in that draft. Matt, so you were close. And uh, I looked it up. Kendall Wright, his best season touchdown-wise was six. Uh, you know, he had the one 1,000-yard 1, season. Only had two touchdowns that year. And he's never had a 14-5 average. I mean, like, so Rashad Matthews he's been is not on the, only – And he's been on the team right. for five years. Right. Rashad Matthews had one year to do it. So oh, not God. only is he better than you, like last year – Rashad Matthews is better than Kendall Wright has ever been with the Titans. I mean, yardage-wise is the only thing that he can trump. But still, like every other statistical category, he's better than you. And, like, not only better than you this year, but better than you all years.
1: I think he's got – I think Rashad Matthews had more touchdowns in like, an eight-week span than Kendall Wright had in the last couple of years. I mean, <laughs> Rashad Matthews had a – he had a time where he had, what, six or seven consecutive games with a touchdown. And, yep. I mean, I don't remember Kendall Wright coming anywhere close to that. I mean, that does say something. So, I, I think we're we're way better off without Kendall Wright.
0: Yeah, I would agree there. Next thing we have on the, the news this week, mini camp starts today. I know we're recording on Tuesday night for everybody, uh, you know, listening this on Wednesday, Thursday, and so on and so forth. It started today, the day that we're recording here on Tuesday. Chris, you're real close to the practice facilities, right across the river from the practice facilities. And, you know, you brought up how you've been hearing a lot about Corey Davis, and, you know, they're letting him actually practice at full speed and stuff, so... I kind of wanted you to run through that, what you were telling us earlier before we started recording, about what you've been hearing about Corey Davis.
1: Yeah, so I've been, you know, paying attention. I got to see some of the press conference from today. Uh, Unfortunately, I didn't get to see a lot of the action today since my office window is a little bit further away from my desk. I wasn't able to see it straight off with my binoculars. But word has it that uh, Mike Malarkey was coming out saying that you know, they're letting Corey Davis do a lot more uh, reps. He did full workouts today, so he wasn't even shown on the injury report. He's, uh, his ankle is pretty much back to 100%. He's just trying to get more comfortable uh, with the offense and just doing it a day at a time. And Mike Malarkey was saying that, you know, he really looked good. You know, he really looked good, was catching a lot of falls. He made some catches even against Adoree Jackson. And it looks like he's coming along pretty well. And so they're basically, you know, taking the handcuffs off of him, letting him do more and more in this offense and really get some chemistry with markets. So that's going to really do him well. He looks like he's ahead of schedule. And I really like what I have seen and heard uh, from Mike Malarkey and from uh, Frisman Jackson about Corey Davis. I mean, being competitive and being a, you know, just a – player that's willing to learn and get better and that's gonna that's really going to be beneficial to him going forward so from what I heard he's been doing pretty well in camp
2: yeah I'd I'd love to see this guy hit the ground running but at the same time he's a guy that didn't run a 40 didn't go to the combine I just hope we're not rushing him back too soon I I don't want to see an injury you know early part of the season or even before the season you know I understand injuries happen but If it's because of something lingering that we're just kind of ignoring just to get him up to speed, you know, I really hope that's not the case, and I do hope he is 100% before we start using him the way we want to.
1: Yeah, they're definitely being cautious with him because they brought him along slowly during OTA, so they kind of limited him while he was recovering from that and, you know, really just making sure that, you know, he's fully healthy before they do go full go. And, you know, he'll have some time. You know, he'll have some more time off to get healthy, but I really like where they're heading uh, with him. But I, I can understand your concern, definitely, as far as making sure they're not rushing him back too fast uh, with that. But he seems to be looking pretty good so far. We'll see as more uh, get into training camp.
0: Right. And I, I've heard a lot of good things about Corey Davis. You know, he wasn't my guy. You know, I, he wasn't a guy that I was huge on coming into the draft. I thought he was a really good player. I just thought he was a little overvalued. Uh, you know, especially getting him as as early as we did, you know, at five. I uh, didn't think he was a top-five pick. But, you know, obviously a Titan now, and I wish him the best of luck. And he's he has impressed from, you know, everybody's saying how good he's looked. Uh, I talked to a guy earlier this, or I guess last week, that was at a couple of the OTAs, and he said that, you know, from what he's seen, he looked good. He was running super clean rounds. I mean, it, he, I believe the exact words he said was, Corey ran them exactly how they were drawn up. You know, he running perfect routes, he was saying. And "Then this guy also was not a fan of Corey Davis when we drafted. So, you know, you can trust his word. I, you know, you're just only hearing good things, which is obviously awesome. I hope this kid hits the ground running and, you know, we have two really good receivers on the outside that can really do damage and, you know, just help Marcus into that next level of maturation. You know, it's – each year, Marcus has surprised me. Coming in his rookie year, phenomenal, and then got even better in his second year and, and continues to grow. So I'm hoping Marcus comes out again and surprises me again uh, with how much he is better than he was you know, the year before. One more piece of news that we have, not as big of news, but still worth mentioning. Titans have signed cornerback Manny Abad and outside linebacker Victor Ochi. And then uh consequently Wave, defensive back, Trevin Hartfield and defensive end, Cashad Loins. These are not guys, you know, that are big names, still you know, probably camp bodies. Uh, I did my a little bit of research on the guys we brought in, Abad and Ochi. the watcher tape wasn't blown away by either guy. Uh, although I did find a clip uh, of Abad making a one handed catch that was pretty nice. <laughs> but besides that, you know, neither guy Really blew me away. I think there's going to be camp body guys. Uh, do you guys have any comments on these guys?
2: For me, not really. I think I actually thought I was familiar with Victor. Uh, I looked him up and I found out he played at Stony Brook. I'm not sure if I'm mistaken or if it's the name or, or what, but I'm pretty sure maybe he had a great combine. He's from 2016. I believe. It, I, I might be wrong, but I thought I knew who he was. But when I found out he went to Stony Brook, I kind of second-guessed myself, like maybe I don't know who he is. But the the other guy I've absolutely never heard of. So I have really nothing on either guy. Uh, but, you know, as of right now, like you said, they're probably camp bodies and, you know, nothing more.
1: Absolutely. I definitely
2: agree because I'll be honest, I definitely weren't familiar with any
1: one of these guys uh, right now. But now that's going to make me do some homework on these two cats and see if they could bring anything to the team but I think at all the they're either going to be practice squad guys or just some guys to maybe see what they have in camp at worst-case scenario. So I guess you got to have a limit up to 90, so you can't never have too many bodies.
0: The one thing that I, I guess you could take away from this is, you know, we traded cornerback for defensive back, so that's an even trade. But went and got an outside linebacker and got rid of a defensive end. So I guess the one thing you could say is they feel pretty confident where they're at at the defensive end and think they might need a little bit of help at the outside linebacker. Obviously, our starters at outside linebacker are fantastic, but depth has been an issue. And that's going to bring up one point I wanted to get to real quick. And we've been talking about it. We might have to make this a regular segment, you know, the, the Dodd watch. And, and we've talked about it a lot on the show. But Chris, I was, I was wondering what your thoughts were on, on Kevin Dodd and... Are we going to see much of him this year? Do you think it's fair to start throwing around the the bust moniker that people have started to to talk about him with?
1: Okay. When it comes to Kevin Dodd, I think about it like this. I was very high on him when he got drafted by the Titans last year, and I was hoping that he would at least come in and really provide some backup to Arapo and Morgan and I really thought in a lot of ways maybe he was playing a bit out of position, and maybe I was thinking, okay, he could maybe buff up a little bit, maybe add about 20 or so pounds. Maybe he could play down, you know, at defensive end opposite Jarrell Casey some and add that pass rushing ability. The only problem is he hasn't, you know, as we've all noted, he hasn't been able to stay healthy at all. I mean, this foot has been lingering for over a year now. You know, he had the surgery before the season even started, and now it is still becoming a lingering issue. If he cannot get on the field this year, I mean, that word bust is going to get louder and louder as the season goes on. And I would definitely say, if he doesn't get on the field and at least help us in some way, shape, or form, the word bust is probably going to go by his name because you got guys like Aaron Wallace who's getting better every day. You got – you know some of these other guys who are going to be coming in trying to uh, overstep him a bit. So if he doesn't get this foot under control, you know, bust is a real big possibility for him. And I mean, that would be really sad
2: to see. Yeah, it would be a uh, a tarnish on the Robinson legacy, so to speak. But I don't know, man. I, I think it's too early to say. I did see something on Twitter. It was either today or yesterday. I don't remember it was the first Dodd report I've seen where they basically said he is recovering and he will be ready for camp. So let's just hope for the best. I mean, yeah, that bus term is going to get thrown out there. I think it's too early for that right now. But, you know, same time, you know, he's been here over a year now. We haven't seen a lot from him. 33rd overall pick. We need some production and we need a lot of it. So let's just hope for the best, hope he recovers and and, uh, fills that spot.
0: Yeah, this is a guy. Anybody who listens to the show knows this is a guy I was pretty high on when he was coming out of college. And yeah, I mean, it's—I I would say it's too early to, to, you know, start calling him a bust. But he hasn't done anything so far. You know, it's—you're going to have to do something for people to to not say that. You know, if you're going to shut people up, you have to come to the table. You got to bring something. You got to be able to to play. And at least play at a decent level where we don't regret picking Hugh you know, at that thirty-third pick, you know, Mike Matt was just talking about. I don't know. I have, I have faith in Dodd. He's got. He has talent, and he had a, a shit ton of production in college, man. Um, especially that last year. But you have to be able to do something, you know, get on the field. And I think a lot of it. Is mental rather than physical, judging by what we've heard so far and what coaches have had to say about him. You know, which does give you a little bit of hope because if he gets his mind right, then the rest should follow. You know, the operative word. Pink I, should there?
1: Yeah, that's definitely a word because I mean, you know, Kevin Dodd—he has all the talent in the world, could definitely be something, but he better get it. He better get that injury together and under control because. Again, Aaron Wallace is a guy that could be coming up behind him, and we better see what Josh Caraway, the, the seventh-round pick out of TCU, what he may bring to the table. Dodd might be out of a job within the next year or so, so he better get this injury under wraps and better get it under wraps fairly quickly.
2: Yeah, the thing is with, with Dodd, it's like I almost wish we would have taken him with our third-second-round pick just so there's not so much pressure on him at 33, but the thing with him is, man, like we – I don't know. You guys probably don't follow Clemson like I do, but we had a great defensive line with him and Shaq Lawson on each end. And Shaq Lawson was more of the, the superstar, you know, profile as opposed to Dodd. Dodd was that quiet guy that, that quietly got you great production, but he was never the showboat, never the never the main feature. So, you know, taking him at 33 is kind of out of his character. I, I wasn't expecting the pick there, and, and I kind of wish it didn't happen. I think there was guys on the board at that time that would fit us better. But, you know, they saw what they liked in him, and, and we went with him. So I know I know he can play. There's no doubt about that. I just hope that whatever was lingering, you know, can, can get resolved and, and, you know, he can move forward and, and get rid of all this bus talk.
0: All right, Chris. Um, real quick, I wanted to ask you something. I know you're right there, and you've gotten to see some mini camp and stuff. Is there anything – noteworthy that you've noticed watching many camps you know being that close to the titans you know that surprised you that shocked you or you know anything really newsworthy that you've seen so far
1: well you know seeing that uh unfortunately i don't have all the access to get like on the inside account to see everything super up close but from the distance i get to see it from one thing i will say is marcus you know, Marcus, his ball is looking really, really good uh, with some passes that he made. I think he's getting better with his deep ball. So I think that deep ball question, I don't think will be a question anymore. And I I really, again, like what I see from Kwan Taylor, I think he's going to be uh, a very good uh, receiver for this offense, for this team. Now, I will uh, definitely say, again, we were talking about Alex Tanney earlier. He definitely looked good and fluid, especially during seven-on-sevens. I was able to catch that with him running the first-team offense and running the second-team offense. I mean, he looked like he had pretty good command of that offense. I definitely did like what I was seeing from uh, the receivers, from the quarterbacks, and – Again, I think Logan Ryan is going to be as good as advertised. And Kevin Byron, I think, is going to be just absolutely fantastic going back to a free safety position. I think, (laughs) and this is just another hot take and bold prediction, give him three years, he'll be a
2: Pro Bowl safety. In my that's my bold prediction. I don't think it's that bold, man. I'll I'll go ahead and say two years. I'm really high on Kevin Byron. I think he's going to be great. Yeah, You guys are more confident than
0: I.
1: (laughs) And I want to give kudos to the – I think the offensive line is going to be still the strong point of this team. I mean, you know, not only for what happened on the field, but this thing has gone crazy even off the field, especially with our hockey team, the Predators, the big run that they've made recently in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This offensive line, they are gelling together. They're having fun together, and that not only is great off the field, but that's going to help on the field in protecting Marcus. So they're protecting their quarterback everywhere they go. So I just think that I, I'm loving what's going on with the offensive line and with this team, and I think they're only going to get better. They've got to clean up a few things, but I like where this team is going, and I, I can't wait to actually go into training camp and see them practice and be up close, and I'll be giving more information on that when I see it.
2: Yes, sir. Not only that, man, it feels good to say that. It's been so damn long since you could have this this much optimism going in the season about our team. Yes.
1: Yes, it is. I mean, you're kind of tired of hearing the great things about all the other teams, and then you mentioned the Titans. It's like you got to keep your head down like, oh, I wonder what they're saying about us. Are they going to say <laughs> anything about us?
0: Especially yeah. not being local, Matt. I'm sure you can sympathize with this. It's like when we're winning two and three games a year, you just get excited. Even if they say something bad, you get excited when they mention us. Like if you're watching NFL Network or ESPN, you just get excited. Even if they're saying like this is a shitty team, you're like, oh shit, we're on TV. You almost forget that you're a pro team. It's like you're it's like pro, and then like you know B league, and we're in the B league. Hey, I,
2: I'll tell you what though. Recently, definitely. This off season, for sure, there's been a lot of national love from from a lot of different guys. Um, Absolutely, we haven't seen that in a yes. long time, and it's over. It's long overdue. I agree,
1: and I I have to give compliments. now to one show in particular, I will say on the NFL Network, they always give the Titans a lot of love, and that's uh, Good Morning Football. Uh, yeah. They give a lot of look to the Titans, like more, way more frequently than any other show, at least times five, uh, more than any other show. They usually talk about the Titans, I mean, very frequently. So, yeah, definitely shout-out to Nate Burleson and uh, and crew over there at Good Morning Football.
0: No, I absolutely agree with that. But I, one thing I wanted to bring up with that that offensive line that you are talking about, you know, you, we're all three of us, obviously, big Titans fans. Have you ever – seen a unit for the titans turn around like that offensive line did before last season and then in last season i mean we went from the worst or at least one of the worst to the best offensive line in the league i mean i, I mean i've never seen anything like that i could think in any other you know position group
2: yes it's easy to say that you know well we got conklin he's all probe. You know, which is all true. I'm not throwing shade on him at all. But I got to believe it's uh, Taylor Lewan's basically taking the guys and his leadership qualities have, have stood out. You know, last year at this time, we're talking about drafting. Uh, well, you guys were talking about drafting Laramie Tunsell and, and Lewan going to the right t- right side and this and that. We weren't sure where Lewan was going to go. He's done all he could do and more. To get these guys all on the same page, and he's by far, he's probably you know my top five player on the team, let alone the offensive line.
1: Yeah, you know, I uh, I definitely agree with that because let's take a look. You know, you got to take a look back. Like you said last year, we're talking about taking Laramie Tunsil at number one at some point, and you know, thank goodness we didn't make that mistake and got Jack Conklin. Also, you've got to think about the great addition of Ben Jones at center really stabilizing the middle of the, of the offensive line uh, along with Quinn Spain, who has come a long way. But even though others may have viewed Josh Klein as the weakest link of the offensive line, I mean, honestly enough, I mean, he may be the weak, he's the weakest link of one of the best offensive lines in the league. That's really not saying anything bad against him. I mean, I think the best move that was made was addition by subtraction. You you know, no more chance Warmack. When that yep. finger injury happened against Detroit, that opened up that door for Klein, and he busted that door right open and never
0: relinquished the spot. So, I think they got stronger as the year went on. Definitely did. Absolutely. I mean, you guys talk, I mean, Ben Jones has been fantastic. You know, it it, it goes down to the tackles a lot, and a lot of Accreditation when the offensive line does get mentioned goes to the tackles. As, I mean, it should. Those guys have the hardest job on the offensive line. But, you know, Ben Jones played outstanding all season long. And then you have guys, when I mean, you remember, Quentin Spain was a six round pick, stepping up and playing outstanding this year. I mean, he had a really good season. And, you know, I have a lot of love for him. I know Matt knows this. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you know it or not, but I'm a West Virginia fan. That's my college team. So Quentin Spain, being a West Virginia boy and, you know, a Tennessee Titan, he's definitely, you know, a a player that I'm really happy to see succeed. And he he did. He had a great year last year. Klein, when he stepped in, played fantastic. Dennis Kelly's another guy, you know, that played excellent when we needed him. Remember when we made made that trade? And, Chris, I'm sure you were doing the same thing. Me and Matt and Glenn were like, why'd you do that? Why in the world would you do that? Like, you know, we weren't DGB fans, but it was like, what, what why? That doesn't make sense. And, like, man, we were wrong on that one. I mean, it, I mean, that offensive line, and it really, you see them, like you said, at the Predators game, it's, it's a unit, it's a family. And they're there with Marcus, and, I mean, it's exciting. When you have, when you're good up front, you get away with a lot more in the back end. So, you know, having an offensive line that's that good makes the job so much easier for Marcus and for, you know, DeMarco Murray and and for Henry and, you know, the wide receivers, tight ends, etc. You know, when you're that good up front, it gives you so much more time, so much more of your playbook opens up when those guys play like they're playing. And I expect to see the exact same thing we saw last year out of these guys.
2: And for what it's worth, Quentin, Quentin Spain went undrafted. So
0: to prove your point, even oh yeah, more. yeah, my, yeah, he did. My bad. And and
1: I want to uh, pick it back right quick. When you mentioned uh, the DGB trade, yes, Dennis Kelly. You know, Dennis Kelly was that third tackle. I mean, was that you know extra tight end when they go on balance? And one thing that I will remember uh, with Dennis Kelly in particular, when LaWan got kicked out of the game against Green Bay, uh, I mean Dennis Kelly stepped in and did a absolutely tremendous job in that game the rest of the way, protecting Mariota's left side. He was absolutely on the money, terrific in the blocking scheme. And I don't think Marcus got sacked one time in that game uh, on Dennis Kelly's side. So, I mean, John Robinson hit a home run with that trade because I'm pretty sure y'all will y'all remember hearing the news coming around about DGB not doing so well in Philly. So we absolutely stole two times from Philly on, yeah. the, on that deal last year with DeMarco and Dennis Kelly. So that line is getting stronger, and I like Tretola coming in on the uh, back and up, and also uh, I believe we got a uh, – I think it's Danny Lolito from New Orleans uh, yep. to be a guard as well. So I like the depth. Offensive line can only get better.
2: That's a great point with Dennis Kelly. And if I'm not mistaken, DGB either will be or has already been cut. I, I saw a report somewhere. So yeah, but Dennis Kelly in that game, you're absolutely right, didn't miss a beat. And uh, you know that's that's quality depth. We have some massive O linemen behind our starters.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't. Have, I would. I used to play defensive line in high school, and I tell you. I wouldn't want to be looking across the field and having to try to make a swim move on Taylor LeWan. I
0: feel free. <laughs> <laughs> and, Matt, just to answer what you're bringing up, DGB's still with the Eagles right now, but it does look like that is going to be a short-lived marriage between him and that team. Uh, I mean, we you know, definitely, when we made the trade, I remember being like, like, I wish we would have got more for him, you know, just a little bit more. And we ended up winning that trade, and that's just, I don't know. It's awesome that we won big two trades with Philadelphia and killed them both times.
2: I don't think there was one person when that trade went down thought that we won that trade. That's just the truth. Now, we had such high expectations for DGB, but the guy obviously cannot get any of his playbooks down. And if he does, which I do think he will, get cut from Philadelphia – I still think he'll probably get one more chance somewhere else, you know, you know wherever that may be. And uh, I don't know if I even wish him well, man. I, I just, he he badmouthed the Titans when he left as well. So, you know, I don't, I don't wish him poorly wherever he goes. I just don't think he's smart enough to get it. And he'll probably get one more opportunity, and I think that's it. And, Matt, you mentioned the word smart. I just think
1: DGB has what I like to call the Justin Hunter syndrome. <laughs> the problem wasn't the problem with DGB was not talent. He was physical, had all the physical tools, and when I watched him against Jacksonville, I'm thinking, finally got something with DGB. We finally got something with him. We're gonna go up with this guy. He did some of the same things with, that Justin Hunter did. Both of them physically gifted, very speedy, fast, but between the ears was where they had their biggest problem. And they could not overcome themselves. They were their own worst enemy, and they stood in their own way. And that's the problem that DGB is having and why he's not going to last with the Eagles or probably with no other team. So it's hard for him. I mean, I, I had high hopes for him. I just I'm – I'm saddened
2: by that yeah great point point. and I think what you know you just reminded me of something I was going to bring up earlier when we were talking about Kendall Wright Kendall Wright's got the Zach Brown syndrome you know when he he has all the talent in the world doesn't perform and then get, gets mad at the team that cuts him
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I guess
1: a lot of people probably have that one I think Kenny Brett might have had that syndrome too
2: man talk about another one that dude <laughs> uh, it, it's
0: been a long, long ride. I'll say that.
2: Pretty <laughs> pretty pre fucked up guys on this team.
0: The Titans can yeah, sign me yeah. right now. I'll come in and I'll suck ass. And they can pay me, you know, minimum. And I'll come in and suck ass. And when they let me go, I'll be nothing but cordial about it.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I A, for a one-year $350,000 deal, that I'll is... be glad to ride the bitch.
2: Yeah, sign I'll me up.
1: I'll glad to ride the bench. <laughs>
0: I'll be coming out with only nice things to say.
1: Exactly. I'll just come in for the victory formation.
2: (laughs) I can take a knee. I guarantee I can take a knee.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: All right. We're about to head off here, but Chris, let everybody know where they can find your show, how to get a hold of your stuff, and where they can see more of you.
1: Well, I will tell you that I am not very hard to find at all. If you look me up on Facebook, it's under Chris A. Newell. Uh, If you look up Titans and Truth, uh, that's T-I-T-A-N-S, the letter N, and then Truth. Uh, Look me up on YouTube. Subscribe to my page. You'll be glad you did. And also, I'm on Instagram at Blue Enforcer. That's B-L-U underscore E-N number four C-E-R 1914. And uh, also, I'm under uh, Music City Miracles as well. If you look under fan posts, look up Blue Enforcer. Uh, I do some writing on there as well, and I will have some stuff coming out as far as training camp. And uh, I'm I am not hard to find at all.
2: Yeah, and not only that, man. I definitely want to bring you back, if not for a uh, occasional guest appearance, if if not, you know, replacing Glenn altogether. So one way or the other, <laughs> we, gotta, we we got to get you back on.
1: Hey, I don't want Glenn to have the Kendall Wright syndrome. (laughs) I don't want to do that to him.
0: He'll be heading to a Chicago Bears podcast, talking all kinds of shit on Two-Tone Uncensored. (laughs) Chris, it was great having you on, though. I'm glad that that we could have you on. And everybody who hasn't seen it yet, go check out his show. I was watching it today and uh, yesterday. And Chris really knows what he's talking about, I'm sure. If you listen to this episode, you definitely saw that he does. He's a really good uh, show on there, so definitely check it out on YouTube. It's definitely worth your time. Definitely,
1: yeah. and definitely, and definitely, when I go on there, uh, everybody, make sure you have some comments, some questions. Uh, you know, if you want to pick my brain, please do. Please do. The more, the merrier. All
0: right, Chris, thanks so much for coming on, man.
1: Hey, I appreciate y'all. Look forward to doing this again.
0: Absolutely. All right, buddy. All right, again for everybody that was listening, that was Chris Newell. Definitely check out his YouTube channel. That's Titans in Truth The Letter N. Really good stuff. We'll have Glenn back here next week. We're gonna do the tight ends and continue on in our postseason breakdowns. Uh this week we just thought you'd we'd take a break, do something a little bit different, bring on a guest, and we're glad that we could bring Chris on. He's really good. As always, thanks to the fans that make this show possible. Uh, Thanks to my awesome co-host. Special thanks to Chris for coming on the show. And tighten up. Thanks for listening to the Two-Tone Uncensored podcast. You can listen to the show at twotoneuncensored.podbean.com or by downloading the Podbean app on your mobile device. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Two-Tone and like us on Facebook.